Hey, here's a thought I had today. <laughs> I may have come down. I may have figured out a horseshoe theory for uh, ultra leftists and opportunists. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm with you. Because I'm both. <laughs> <laughs> An ultra leftist opportunist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, isn't it interesting how like what's the thing you hear the most on the left? I mean, like, there's <laughs> a lot of things I hear the most. <laughs> to me, the thing I hear the most when somebody is denouncing somebody else's, and I do it all the time, dude. I do it. This is my main go-to. Uh, the thing you hear the most is, um, you know, you have to base your analysis on material reality. Yeah. Right? Okay. So, uh, Are you going to give us the anatomy of a dunk right now? <laughs> I could. The architecture of the dunk. I guess I suppose I could. Anyway, um, material reality. Well, the, I think it's an interesting idea because, I mean, all of us are humans just, you know, well, ostensibly for the most part. Uh, I mean, excluding the few sort of nonprofit robot cogs who have no sort of sentience or self-critical awareness or anything like that. We're humans sort of navigating the world with the information that was presented to us, right? Right. So I guess I guess the the problem that I struggle with a lot is on one hand, you have what people consider to be like principles. You know? Mm-hmm. You have your principles. You, you put them up here on the left-hand side. Principles. I believe that... Th- What's a principle, for example? Like, uh, I don't believe that working within the system can really change anything. You know, that seems like a principle, right? That's number one for you. <laughs> well, it's not number one. <laughs> but it's up there. It's number, it's on the No, no, no. It's just an example. It's just an example. Okay. An A principle. On the other side, though, you have what you would say this response to material reality, right? Right. So it's like, if you're constantly responding to what you consider to be material reality, at some point you're going to have to compromise on some of your principles, right? Like you can't be fully principled all the time. All the time, no. You can't, you can't be all the time adhering to your principles. And I think, I guess that's what people consider to be ultra-leftism. <laughs> is is <laughs> not adhere, or trying to adhere to all your principles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Being consistent at all times with your principles. Would you say that's a, a definition of ultra leftism? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> in, a, in a while. Yeah. Keep going. Well, I mean, so if, you know, so I, on any given day, I suppose that I tend to fall on the side of, you know, adhering to my principles so I can look myself in the mirror every night. You know what I mean? So I don't like, you know, so I don't. Th- you know, I don't look in the mirror and the person I see back is this totally cowardly, um, <laughs> opportunistic person, right? Right. But that's just not the way that y- you can be, really. I mean, if you're trying to sway people to your opinion and if you're trying to uh, convince people of your cause or whatever, right? All right. 
I'm not. I don't really have any larger point that I'm making with this. I'm just saying that is that you can't be an ultra leftist because you nobody can adhere to their principles all the time. No, I guess what I'm saying is that if you are using this so-called material reality as your gauge for understanding how to and for informing your principles over on the left hand side, right? Then everybody at the end of the day is an opportunist. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All of us, me, you, every other person to the right and to the left of us. <laughs> We're John Cusack. John Cusack. Exactly. exactly. Uh, <laughs> fucking, um, yeah, all of us. I mean, I don't know. I'm see, I'm being hyperbolic for the sake of making an argument. Uh, it's, it's like devil's advocate, but devil's hyperbole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God damn. Um... But yeah, man, that's uh, I just think that that's I, I, I you can you can justify it. Just kind of reminds me of like when I was reading that Max Elbaum book a few months ago, and it was like how everybody used to justify their sort of principles and strate- strategies and engagement and stuff by what they thought the working class cared about. Like that was their sort of like, um. That was their sort of what's the word I'm looking for? There's a concept I'm looking for that you sort of submit your own analysis into, and then you say, "Oh, this is what that working class actually is, and it's what they actually want." And I think that a lot of people do the same thing today with being like, "Oh, you know, material reality is this, and therefore this is what the working class actually it's, wants." It mirrors that, yeah. It's and the funny thing is, is is too. I hate the way the left talks about the working class. Like, it's infantilizing, really. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm talking about us, like, the scene we find ourselves a part of. Yeah. Whatever. The modern left or whatever. And, like, there's not a one-size-fits-all for what the working class wants. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not one big Anybody underwear. Anybody that tries to explain underwear. the working class, I immediately write off as some kind of a hacker, a grifter, or a fraud. Honestly. Yeah, and like, like when we're doing this show, like we're only talking about a very specific place. That's true. I mean, my analysis of the working class is really only confined to Letcher County, <laughs> the places I've lived, twenty counties surrounding us. Like I, I think I have a firm <laughs> grasp on like sixteen counties in Kentucky, yeah, Las Vegas, Nevada, and. Uh, Arkansas I've lived in that's just weird I don't really even know what's going on there because I was part of high society there <laughs> so as high society as you can get in Little Rock fucking Arkansas sort of you were like the hillbilly um, valet that everybody you were their like exotic sort of pet you know what I'm saying in a way yeah <laughs> which is really weird when people like just hillbillies done good consider the poor hillbilly their pet like their patron <laughs> the hill little, the hillbillies little... done good that we're referring to here is the clintons correct yeah, right yeah, yeah um anyway well i'm the same way though i i, I can't really say much about uh, any working class outside of hobbs new mexico and a couple counties in eastern kentucky yeah, yeah. <laughs> and well i mean there's a lot you can deduce from where you live about appalachia and rural areas Right. But when it comes to like dock workers or something, 
buddy. I have no idea what the longshoremen are up to. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I don't know what the hell a longshoreman is. <laughs> I, don't, I don't either. I, I know it's a, a guy that works on a dock is all I know. Right, right, right. It's just not my context. I'm the same way. I don't really know either. And I try to remember that. I try to remember that whenever I get kind of bogged down. And another thing, I mean, we all do it. We've done it a lot on this show, but it's something I really hate. It's like when we like, you know, go to that common refrain of, oh, that that Brooklyn scene. That You know, it's like the coastals. Like, I, I hate that fucking shit. Because, A, because it's just so played. But, B, because everybody's got their place in the world. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Correct. For me, A is more important because I'm a self-interested, uh, narcissistic, Aryan asshole. And so... <laughs> just an Aryan asshole. I was like... Aryan was asshole. Like, <laughs> yeah. So all I care about is how it relates to me. And if I'm just... Same thing with J.D. Vance. <laughs> all right. It's played out. <laughs> Has nothing to do with any other critiques about him. <laughs> no. It's just I don't want to talk. I, in fact, I've, I've been sitting here thinking about this. Like, man, when that Hillbilly Elegy movie comes out, finally on Netflix or whatever, and they do all this <laughs> stuff, like everybody's gonna be looking for us for a take. I'm gonna be honest with y'all. I'm fresh out of JD Vance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm exhausted by him. You I open just, the fridge and there's none. I just really just don't want to talk about him anymore. <laughs> um. Well, now, you know, if he becomes president of the American Enterprise Institute or something, you know, maybe that's, mm. but like. No, we're going to make you. I wrote a book and made a movie about the book. Like, that happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? That happens a lot. Um, yeah, well, um, you know, I guess the, why was I even thinking about that in the first place? I just think it's, I guess I just find it to be kind of interesting, um. I mean, I notice myself doing it a lot all the time. You know, talking talking about what we were talking about a second ago, like this yeah. invocation of material reality, of using, you know, is there any objective material reality, man? <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it, man. I guess that's the whole point of Marxism, right? T- trying to use a sort of scientific method of a kind to make sort of conclusions or deductions about the sort of social reality the right. social fabric around you um and it's really a the thing is is it's, it's it's more than just like being able to sort of look at reality and synthesize it and say this is what it is this is what people care about it's also politics oh. like you have to actually fight other people who are on your side, unfortunately, <laughs> for your vision of that of that side of that reality to win? Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking about that today. Like I know that, uh, you know, that is politics, though. Yeah, like it's not just about struggling against like somebody that's just objectively your enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or tacitly your enemy. It's also struggling amongst ourselves to like <laughs> come up with a concrete vision that's gonna, you know. Totally. That's going to fly, and I don't know. So we get our feelings about it, and we almost revert to like the sort of liberal line that we just like, you know, and we need to start with what we have in common. <laughs> That's fine. It's like I'll just fucking fight with you for two goddamn hours, and then we're fine. Like I don't, like, I don't hate. We, the, the, I guess the Bernie thing is kind of a good example of that. It's like we were saying last week. Like the people who are skeptical of Bernie or who – 
not who are more than just skeptical of them, who just flat out, and I'm talking about leftists who have genuinely good critiques of them, and who have genuinely legitimate critiques of them. Uh, we are unfortunately outnumbered. <laughs> That's true. We're we're. That that motherfucker's gonna run whether we like it or not. Well, I and mean, there's people that are there's a lot more people that are gonna plug energy and resources into that, and so we kind of ha- you can't really sit it out though either. You know what I mean? You can't sit it out. No, you can't sit it out. <laughs> and the thing is too, it's kind of like we were talking about that a couple of days ago. It's like uh, you know, I look at the Bernie thing in terms of like I'm opportunistic about Bernie. Yeah, I'm, I'm the not same trying way. to build a substantive <laughs> politics around B- Bernie's cult of personality. I'm just trying to get my student loans forgiven. Yeah, well, I, I, I even more, I'm even more opportunistic. I'm hoping that it leads to a sort of Madero type situation. I'm hoping that it really does kind of could perhaps lead to a situation that creates a political crisis that people to the left of him can take advantage of and exploit. So I'm an opportunist in that way. And say more about that. Well, in the same way that like Pancho Villa and uh, you know, like oh, I see what you're saying. Emiliano, it's just like they he he kicks things off and then we clean go back clean up, <laughs> and then uh, we yeah. end up taking our mules into the White House and <laughs> just right bathing ourselves and makers mark. Right, you see what I'm saying though, like um, Trump presents on a day-to-day basis all these sort of mini constitutional crises but he never actually has triggered a large political crisis all he's triggered is a bunch of libs who are really pissed off about the norms and stuff but trump uh, trump people have an inflated sense of trump's efficacy yeah really and i I mean i don't mean that in a callous way like you know like the fucking sexual abuse that you read about this week of like the, the border patrol and Jesus missing Christ. children and you know the you know all this kind of shit going on at the border i don't mean to say that to trivialize it i just m- meant like you know there's not a land war going on somewhere where there's you know yeah. millions and millions slaughtered now that doesn't mean that other stuff doesn't need addressed well the thing is is trump is like um trump is like if we had a stoner for president you know, like he's constantly just forgetting things and <laughs> or or just a senile just like old fat dude. Totally. Like I have no hate against stoners, man, cuz that's me, bro. Uh if I was president, I would just be one or Wavy two gravy dude. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, folks, all the longshoremen are going to line up on the coast. Uh, if I was president, I would ship in a bunch of weed, man. <laughs> and when they show up at the borders, <laughs> we're going to smoke them out. <laughs> Welcome to America. Yeah. Look, everybody, uh, tomorrow we're going to need everybody in the country to either go to the left or the right coast. <laughs> One of those two coasts. There's going to be a lot of shipments of weed coming in, and then we're going to smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> Then we're all going to Canada. <laughs> See what they're doing. Field trip to the national field trip to Canada. Um, yeah, dude. Well, um, yeah, no, Trump isn't actually. It's funny you bring that up, actually. Before you came over, I was reading this article in the Rolling Stone um, about Nancy Pelosi. Did you see that? No. That big interview with uh, Nancy Pelosi in the Rolling Stone? Okay, well. What was it about? 
Medicare for all, how we're going to pay for it. Pretty much, yeah. Oh. It came out yesterday. Uh, we're recording this on the 28th. It came out yesterday. I'm sure every other goddamn podcast has talked about it already, but <laughs> let's fucking... Let's go ahead and join Let's em. punch the clock. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. So, uh, let's... There, you know, the part of this article is kind of strange because <clears throat> they did two parts of it. They did a video with uh, Ocasio Cortez and Ilhan Omar and um, one other person, uh, another woman, and the whole point was like, you know, um, well, what? I'll just read the headline. Um, it was about how you know uh, women are you know getting elected to office af- after the 2016 election and everything and. You know, and all, all that, yeah, but, including the one they pilloried two weeks ago for yes, for quoting Puff Dad in yeah. the family. <laughs> Weirdly enough, yeah, it makes me wonder if they did this interview before or after that happened. Um, but this is—it's a pretty fascinating interview because it really—I mean, it's nothing new, but it does give you a little bit of an insight into how like Nancy Pelosi actually thinks and how she views Trump, um, and. On that note, in um, okay, well, let's just go through it. What is your relationship with McConnell like these days? I've worked with him over the years as a member of the Appropriations Committee back when I was still on committees. I have a respectful relationship with him. I've been disappointed that he was willing to have the government shut down because he wouldn't face down the president on the president's bad policy. That's discouraging for the leader of the United States Senate. Does he take an oath to the president? No. He takes an oath to protect the Constitution. <laughs> But um, th- it gets it gets much better. Do you think there's anything the president would do that would cause McConnell to break with him? Another government shutdown, or if he declares a national emergency, or a damning report from special counsel Robert Mueller? I'm starting a new club. It's called the Too Hot to Handle Club. The reason the government is open now... <laughs> Right back, buddy. <laughs> Tom's popping a bunch of quaaludes. <laughs> um, the, the reason the government is open now is because we made a shutdown too hot to handle. Finally, Mitch was feeling the heat, which he conveyed to the president. And here we are with open government, able now to negotiate on how to protect the borders. Our borders. Public opinion is everything. Lincoln said public sentiment is everything. With it, you can com- accomplish almost everything. <laughs> You know, a guy that's been dead for 200 fucking years. <laughs> 150 fucking years. Right, right, right. Who was president of a country with like 40-something states or... God damn I don't know it. what point that is, but... <laughs> with it, you can accomplish anything, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, you can roll out statistics and timetables, but the consequences, the emotional connection to the rest of the public is what really weighed in. Would they back him, they being ostensibly the Republicans, if he tried to declare a phony national emergency at the border? The national emergency has its critics on the Republican side. If Trump does it, then the next president, whom we can predict will be a Democrat, can also do it. And they don't want to... (laughs) The next president is not going to be a Democrat. (laughs) Dude, it's... <clears throat> this is a. This is at a, least he doesn't ca- call himself a Democrat. This is the thing that people on the sort of Bernie left have started doing as well. We talked a little bit about this with yesterday with Max. Is that like whether you, people are on the 
maybe Kamala Harris left, or whether other on the Bernie left. It seems to be a lot of consensus that the next president of this country will be a Democrat. And if there's one lesson you, if you took from 2016, just one, you don't uh, all the other lessons, the rise of fascism, the uh, you know just descent of the media into its own sort of bubble or anything like that. If there's one lesson, it's that you should never, ever, ever assume anything in politics. Ever, ever, <laughs> at any ever. <laughs> That's the one thing tying back to our conversation about material reality. You can do all the analysis, uh, synthesis of reality you want, uh, but there's one thing you will never be able to do, and that's determine the future. <laughs> that's true. Some people are a little bit better at maybe seeing which way it'll go, but I mean, look, man. Uh, fucking, um, you know, the funniest example was Jackman's, like, speculative fiction uh, um, edition of Bernie's. You like, know what that shit reminded me of? Well, in poverty. You remember, you remember um, doing little retreats when you were working on the nonprofits, and they, oh, yeah. they would roll out the parchment paper yeah. and you would draw your vision of the future. <laughs> And it'd always be like the same three things. It'd be like windmills, and there'd be like a rabbit <laughs> kind of hopping through a glen or something. <laughs> yeah, it's sun, sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> and then they would just like draw coexist <laughs> up top. Yep. No, it's... That shit just fucking means nothing. It absolutely means nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just bizarre. Look... It's like we were saying yesterday with Max. It's entirely possible that Bernie does get the nomination and then just gets his ass kicked like McGovern in 72. <laughs> and then, guess what? And then you'll have an entire subset of the left who will be dead-ended just like Hillary's supporters are in 2016. I tell you, dude. I, that's my greatest fear is that we become, we, we become the donut people. <laughs> it's entirely possible. It's entirely possible, bro. We could just ride this thing into irrelevancy. <laughs> like, I mean, if that's my, uh, you know, my, my withstanding of my my critiques of Bernie and stuff aside, that is probably the biggest one. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't, let me say this. I don't think that's going to happen. Right, I don't either. If I were laying the odds right now, I would think, and my God, he's going to have to do a lot of fucking juggling because there's like a deck stacked against him. I think I would lay the odds now that Bernie Sanders, the odds on favor to be the next president of the United States. Yeah, I mean, I I would too. I I'd, would I would wager that. Right I'd say there's a very, very, very good chance. But there, it's not like a cock clock cinch that he's going to beat. You know, that like he is going to be. Yeah, you know what I mean, like it's again, it's entirely possible that he. I don't know. It's very interesting. Particularly if we start a fucking land war in Venezuela <laughs> or Iran or something like that before, yeah. then that's it's that definitely becomes everything. dicier. Yeah. It, absolutely. Yeah, because you'll embolden the worst people that have already like got him there. Yeah. That, um, yeah. And we and we got to be stronger than that. But all I'm saying is that like we don't need to hinge our entire hopes on the election. Or we'll be the donut people. Or we'll or we will <laughs> Ourselves become the donut people. <laughs> you know, I, I've said this. You know, it's it's, um, and it's, in a way, that's already kind of happening. 
You know what I mean? I don't, and I'm not saying like I'm not, you know, bagging on like DSA or anything like that. But you got these, like, you know, like Pat the Burner and the boys. You know that you've seen that account? No. You not seen Pat the Burner? No, I don't think so. Twitter. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> what is it? The Bernie. There's like there's a subset. It's not the DSA people that have like that are interested in building socialism, uh-huh. more or less. Okay, I'm talking about there's another like out here somewhere <laughs> i don't even mean like to the left of the no, dsa they're probably actually they're probably out here closer to the it's more like the um occupied democrats indivisible justice democrat people right kind of but but yeah along that same line but also like pat the burner kind of strikes me as like a guy that uh would take to the streets for father's rights <laughs> Okay, so you he's kind of like a Joe the Plumber, but for Bernie. But for Bernie, yeah. <laughs> Very popular on Twitter. He's kind of... Uh, I've never even heard of him. I get. I don't know anything about him, but just looking at his, his thing, he, I think he's probably a Boston Irishman, wears a newsboy cap, uh-huh. and is probably, probably, um, you know, a single dad. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I didn't know, I didn't know anything about him. <laughs> Anyway, but he's not the only one. There's a lot of like people who've made Bernie Sanders their personality. Not people who I'm not, and I'm again, I'm not bagging on anybody, but like maybe a little bit Pat Bernie. (laughs) (laughs) But 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 people that have made Bernie Sanders their personality. Do you know what I'm saying, dude? It's the same thing that people did with Hillary, right? Yeah. I mean. But there is a tendency of the, to do that, and you know, and the, the great thing about the left is that most of us are, you know, smart enough and sort of agile enough, adaptable enough <laughs> <laughs> to not really go down that path. But as you get closer and closer to the election, I mean, fuck, man, we are all susceptible to it. I mean, yeah, you know, um, it's an enticing thought because it 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 represents. I think a tangible departure from, you know, just this sort of like centrist neoliberal politics, just this like fucking spinning your tires in the mud. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I'm saying is that like <laughs> we've got work to do. Well, and that's why for that reason, I think it could be useful as a sort of Madero type situation. In our lifetimes, in the last third three or four decades, we've never known any kind of politics to go any direction except in the right. Even under Clinton and Obama, we were still moving in... We've been all perpetually and linearly moving right, right our entire lives. We don't know what's going to happen once that flips the other way. Well, who the fuck knows? I yeah. mean, you could ride that out to... Who, who knows? And Bernie could be the thing that does the it. The catalyst for that. Yeah. yeah. We don't know. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not discounting that. Right, right, right. But it's interesting here that Pelosi said the next president will be a Democrat. I don't know if is that like some kind of like Pelosi type shade to uh, to Bernie. Well, let me just also rewind to uh, Barack Obama reading uh, mean tweets on Jimmy Kimmel when Donald Trump tweeted. Oh yeah, something about him leaving office, and then Barack Obama said, "At least I will have been a president." Right, you're right. <laughs> Yes. These, these people are so self-assured, and you never really hear McConnell say anything like that. No. I mean... Uh, well, and there's a reason for that. Uh, the Republicans have to be tighter. Yeah. They're deeply unpopular. Right. They, they they rule, but they don't represent the majority interest in any way, shape, or form. That's very true. So they they can't afford to be cavalier and flippant. They have to be like... 
intentional to use a nonprofit term <laughs> about how they show up in these spaces. In the world. Yes, you're right. <laughs> they actually listen to it to yeah. that phrase. Right, they, they actually live by, they it. live by it. Could be out of necessity. <laughs> The Democrats can be all fucking wavy gravy about it because they think, oh, this kid's chill, man. If I lose to Ted Cruz by two <laughs> points, I'll just go run for something bigger. <laughs> the Democrats are basically Matthew McConaughey in Days and Confused. Right, right, that's what I was getting at. Just chill, bro. Oh, fuck. This, this interview is glowing, dude. It is hilarious. It's like they got on the both knees and just started sucking on Queen's toes. Uh, just <laughs> just really love, just giving her... Tongue-bathing tongue her fucking, uh, her dogs. Huh? <laughs> um, okay, I want to get to the part. Don't you think he's... Okay, so what they're talking about is Trump. Um, blah, blah, blah. A damning report from uh, Mueller. Would that lead us toward impeachment? Uh, you want to remember that President Nixon was not impeached. The Republicans went to him when they saw the evidence. The House proceeded with the hearings, but they never impeached, blah, 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 blah. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't you think Trump is worse on immigration? Look, Ronald Reagan and George Herbert Walker Bush were great on immigration. <laughs> the president... I These are your heroes! <laughs> <laughs> These are your heroes, you... Oh, my God. The president I quoted most in the campaign was Reagan. <laughs> Reagan said, We must recognize that the vital force for America's preeminence in the world is every generation of new immigrants who comes to our shores. Listen to this. Reagan, Bush, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, all excellent on immigration. <laughs> Dude, that story that came out. Excellent this on immigration. Excellent on immigration. Barack Obama deported more people than Evans. Yeah, we hear that all the time. Excellent on immigration. That, that story that came out this week about the children that had been sexually abused and abused in uh, detention, that started under Obama. Right. I mean, who, of course Trump's policies facilitated and encouraged that. But this has been going on. Yeah. You can honestly... I'm not. I'd argue Trump's policies are the logical next step of Obamaism. <laughs> absolutely, uh, absolutely, and it's hilarious. You can't, you can't just have this fucking drone Wall Street presidency and think that like the next guy that's going to take over for you is going to unravel that. Yeah. No, they're going to run with they're that and take it, it to a darker place. <laughs> that's the thing that people in this country they again they don't see patterns in history. They don't see systems. Uh, all they see is individual personalities, yeah. you know. And so what they'll see is, and this is this is h the hilarious way that they get you with. Uh, oh, I thought when Trump does something crazy, every time he does something insane, like sending troops to the border, they'll be like, like oh. dropping an ad, ad uh, an acne <laughs> anvil on top of <laughs> the Roadrunner's head. Every time he does something insane, every time he does something insane, they'll be like, oh, well, I thought that both parties were basically just the same. I thought that both. Parties were basically just, you know what I mean? Like they'll they'll try to like bait people on the left with that. It's like, you you friend are the dumbest person that ever lived. <laughs> A complete fucking rube. You have to understand that, like, for Trump to do that, it needs. This is a dialectic in a way. It needs the sort of cover and facilitation of the Pelosi's and the Obamas and the Democrats. Right. Like for those. For those, for Trump's policies to work, they desperately need the centrist, moderate 
people like Pelosi and the Obamas and stuff like that. Right. Doesn't actually. Anyways, <clears throat> uh, this president comes in and he's worse. On this, I have to say, they're bad on the policy. He's terrible on the policy. And the people and the way he describes them, he's so disrespectful and discriminatory. I think he, she's talking about the immigrants. Um, okay, hold on. I, I th- so I'm not. I don't have like interns. I can't like find the exact place I'm looking for in this article. I have to go through. Kind of just have to read the whole thing. And- <laughs> right. I don't have somebody pointing out to me. Was hilarious. Pelosi does have like her aide with her throughout this entire interview. And there's one point where they ask her about something and. And she has to check with him. She's like, oh, they're like, do you have any regrets? And she's like, oh, I don't know. Doug, do, do I? Doug, have we ever had any regrets? She literally says that. <laughs> He's like, uh, I don't think so, ma'am. <laughs> if only Nancy's dad would have got uh, would have got fucking whacked by somebody from the Bonanno crime family or something. <laughs> he could have avoided this whole fucking mess. Uh, yeah, well... Um, you said the wall is, quote, like a manhood thing with him. Were you purposely trying to get under his skin? This is what I'm talking about when it's, like, glowing. I was saying it in a private meeting, and, of course, it went right out of the room. Boom. It was out the door before I even walked out myself. What do you think makes him tick? Does he tick? Why are we assuming? Tick has a certain predictability to it. <laughs> How do you negotiate? What does that even mean? <laughs> know, dude, dude. Uh, something I've noticed. About, there, are, there are so many interview cliches. That like liberals throw out there, yeah, that just mean yeah. nothing. Like, do you remember when "It is what it is" was a thing? Yes, yeah. And like everybody just punctuated their senses with they it do. Is what it is. This is that's again. That's the thing. They also, you know, the most or at cl- the end of the day. At the end, of the day. that's another <laughs> yeah. one. Well, the the most obvious one, the most popular one, is like when when they go high, we go low, or whatever. When they go low, we go high. <laughs> just just like fucking platitudes. Yeah, it just means nothing. Oh. Absolutely nothing. Um, let's let's see, let's see. Um, I wanted to get to the part about the Affordable Care Act because I thought that was the most fascinating part. Um, you first came. No, no. In November, there was a sit-in in your office demanding action on climate change, and some of your new caucus members participated. What was your gut reaction? This is undeniably the funniest section of this interview because it's I, I'll just have to I'll just read it to you because it's her basically trotting out all of her credentials on climate change, healthcare and then basically saying like we're not doing those things. Yeah. <laughs> you have to understand. <laughs> oh I, yeah. <laughs> I know that I know that tee up. You have to understand. I I came into the political arena as an organizer. You, you know, <laughs> people say, "Oh, she was a fundraiser." Well, no. I, I'd like to know how in the hell she went from organizer to worth three hundred million dollars. <laughs> Fucking do that math. I'm a guy. I'm a goddamn organizer. I'm broke as fuck. I understand that to be an advocate, you are persistent, dissatisfied, and relentless. I was chair of the Democratic Party for Northern California for a long time. We were like, quote, we worked so hard to elect these people, and then they go back and they compromise. We are the purists. I've been there. I understand it. You have that responsibility as an advocate. And this would be a good lesson for anybody who's listening out there who um, has uh, who, <laughs> who doesn't believe us when we say that once you get into office, you're beholden <laughs> to certain interests and things that make it impossible for you to actually 
Here she is admitting that she was once, it. quote, a purist. A purist, yeah. <laughs> and now is a hollowed out vacuous. Just like got fucking uh, Marcos Kos Miletus just fucking bringing her $60,000 worth of flowers. Right. Just the dumbest fucking the guy dumbest that ever shit. lived. His fucking leather men's warehouse ass just taking her all those fucking... <laughs> Fuck you, Kos. I've been there. I understand it. You have that responsibility as an advocate. I have a different responsibility as a leader, but enjoy, you know, <laughs> enjoy. What does that mean? That's a new generation. People keep asking me, are you sick of that? I'm like, I'd probably be doing that myself. I don't understand what she's saying there. Whatever. Um, the group that staged that sit-in are advocates for the Green New Deal. There seems to be a lot of energy around the idea, but not a lot of specifics. You've resurrected the Select Clim Committee on the Climate Crisis. What do you want this committee empowered to do? What does it have as a goal? <clears throat> when I was elected speaker, Bush's president, mind you, my flagship issue was the climate. It's a public health issue, clean air, clean water. It's a national security issue <laughs> to protect us from all the things that engender violence, such as competition for food. <laughs> wait, wait, I, I, miss, I must have missed that the first time I read it. Is she saying that, like... Invading armies are going to stream over the borders and take all of our food in a globally warming world. I don't think they understand what it is, what, what's coming. That's a very fascist idea when you really just strip it all away from oh, yeah. all of it. Oh, all, everything they say about the, the war over water and stuff like that, it's very fucking dystopian, like just yeah. dark fascist shit. It's like that episode we had with Brendan. It's very much... The line between sort of progressive environmentalism and and or liberal environmentalism, ecofascism, ecofascism is razor thin. <laughs> razor thin. <laughs> every environmental group, every environmental group had staff working on population control up until maybe ten years ago. Oh yeah, absolutely. All of them. <laughs> absolutely. Uh. And and this is the thing, and this is a, a huge critique of the Green New Deal, in my opinion. It's like, um, look, a lot of these people are looking at it, uh, climate change, as a national security issue. And so, you know, if you're if you're talking about climate change as that, uh, as something that affects our empire, number one, and number two, can be treated and solved by our empire. Ding, ding, ding. You might have fascism, folks. <laughs> yeah. You might have hit the lucky Jeff Foxworth, you might be a fascist. You might be a fascist. Um, uh, let's see. President Bush was a denier. I mean, I loved him dearly, but he was a denier. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we had Republicans on our committee who were deniers. Now they're a little more like, it's happening, but I'm not sure what the human role is. <laughs> when we lost the Democratic majority of the House... One of the first things Republican did was the re Republicans did was to restore styrofoam to the cafeteria. No more recycling. Everything went in the same trash. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's hilarious. Just like as a <laughs> as a fuck you, as just a <laughs> symbolic gesture of their allegiance to yeah. the fucking yeah, fuck you. Like this, like this, recycling does fuck all anyway. This is the hilarious thing. In the same paragraph, Pelosi has, I loved him dearly, 
and two sentences later is basically telling about how her and her friends were getting styrofoam cups like flung at them and just flipped up fingers. In their I face. love him dearly. That's like <laughs> I love my I love my bully dearly. Exactly, bro. <laughs> That's a fucking. They're they're so flippant that they're gonna win, and this is how stupid they are. <laughs> Dude, did you have you listened to the newest the the latest Chapo bonus episode? Mm-mm. That uh, Marshall Steinbaum, the Economist, on, and they're talking about this like they had this. I forget what it's called. They called it the Nissan Sentra mm-hmm. conference, but it was like the center left and center right groups got together and were talking about how they can stem the tide of of growing radicalism on the right and the left. <laughs> And just like the most ineffectual leaders in the world, just getting together and like, and when I, when you're reading this, it kind of reminded me of that. It's like Matt Crispin had this great. Call. He's like, they're just they're just running out the clock, is what they're doing. Absolutely, it's like that's true. They've that's what they're doing. They're just they're just they're just needling the ball every time. That's absolutely <laughs> making, what they're doing, making us use our timeouts <laughs> until we have no more. <laughs> that's completely what uh, they're doing. Um, let's see. You know, they're really pathetic because they're just handmaidens of the fossil fuel industry, period. When they're not handmaidens of the gun industry. So they have those two wonderful things going for them. Like, motherfucker, you're a handmaiden of the fossil fuel industry. That is that the dissonance about that is amazing. And I also wonder why the Republicans let them have that. Yeah, that I don't know. I really that's a good that's, question. That's that's one of those inside baseball things I'm wondering about. Is it like do they go to him and say like, "Listen, we're going to say that you're the handmaidens of the fossil fuel industry. <laughs> we'll let you run shit, but in exchange just like don't blow up our spot." Like <laughs> right, right, right. Um, no, that's a good question. Uh, they talk about, she talks about clean coal, blah, 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 blah. What's, what's Queen Nancy's take on clean coal? Well, she said, I think coal is a disaster. It's an oxymoron, clean coal. Doesn't exist. It's impossible. That's hilarious. They were fucking, uh, jacking off to that in 2008. Oh, yeah. Carbon sequestration technology and all that shit. I, I mean, I don't know if Nancy Pelosi was. I know a lot of the Dems was. And my hunch is if you go back into the fossil, in the fossil record. Go back into the ar- <laughs> if you go back into the archives, the fossil record. It'll be foretold that Nancy Pelosi. No, I bet she was. Pro- they were probably all on board with that bullshit. Um, they ran it over uh, CNN during that whole campaign season. Every CNN commercial was like clean coal technology. Yeah, totally. Well, and also they. Uh, well, I mean Pelosi didn't have anything to do with this, but the reason cap and trade didn't pass was literally because of the Democrats. They never yeah. brought it up for a vote in the Senate or anything. Granted, I don't think Cabin Trade would have done shit, but I just think it's interesting. <laughs> well, that and Joe Manchin. Oh, he sh- was that it off. Was that when he sh- the he thing shot he shot it with the, oh. yeah, with the Remington yeah. shotgun? Hell yeah, dude! Politics is so badass. Um, how do you deal with <laughs> badass Joe? Joe Manchin, the least imposing person in the world. <laughs> I'd fucking push fucking Joe Manchin down a flight of steps, and he wouldn't do shit. He just hiss at me from the bottom. You're right. He is the most bloodless, dispassionate person. Um, look, how do you do this? Is again one literally one paragraph later after saying they're uh, handmaidens of the fossil fuel industry. How do you deal with entrenched interests? The energy companies, the coal companies, the oil companies. 
yeah, they have a lot of power here. There's no question. But again, we have to take it to the public. And I think it should be an important part of the presidential campaign. What the fuck does that even mean? It, I don't even know what she's talking about. It has to be... What has to be a part of the... Pre- that they're lobbying the government? I mean... There's no specifics here. I don't, I don't even understand. For somebody that was bagging on the Green New Deal people for having no specifics. Yeah. <clears throat> now, in terms of the Green New Deal, that goes beyond what our charge is. Our charge is about saving the planet. They have in there things like single payer and, what is it, guaranteed income? Pelosi, Deputy Chief of Staff Drew Hamill, guaranteed income and then a jobs guarantee. So her, her aide off to the side, oh, guaranteed income and then a jobs degree. <laughs> <laughs> Pelosi. And then they have, I don't know if it's single payer or Medicare for all, it's kind of like a broader agenda. All good values, but nonetheless, not what we hope to achieve with this focused, determined decision making. <laughs> You're either for the planet or you are not. There is no plan B for the planet. We have to preserve it, and it is in great jeopardy. Just a robot. <laughs> Just a fucking and robot. It is in great <laughs> jeopardy. <laughs> Um, like that's the funniest. Like that's how you you're either for the planet or you're not. I like, was <laughs> there's this guy and I won't say who it was because uh, anyway, uh, at this function I was at a nonprofit function. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and that narrows it down. And uh, they got me. I was in the car with them. We were talking. They were like, "What do you think about you know Pelosi and Schumer?" And I think it's just the most uninspired, ineffectual leadership you could imagine for a major political party. And you would have thought that I just they like, <laughs> they just denounced that out of hand and like, no, nah, I think they're great leaders and I think they're doing a fine job and like leading the party. I was like, like leading it where? Exactly, leading it where? At best, they're running out the clock. That's exactly what. That's doing. the best they're doing. <laughs> they're not running any offense. Um, let's see. What would you ask that going forward? Appointees won't accept donations from energy companies. Is appointees to her special subcommittee or whatever in the climate? Granted, she could just answer this with a yes or no answer that's all it takes but this is what we get what i want to know is (laughs) what is your vision about saving this planet secondly what do you know about the subject this is not a learning process i have to have people who have a commitment and a knowledge about the decisions that we have to make tell me your vision tell me your knowledge we have to make some very (laughs) tough decision let's work let's work together for a plan to get this done in the soonest possible way the most important part of it all, vision, knowledge, judgment, and strategic thinking about how about how to get it done. All <clears> that means nothing. And how does it connect with the American people? So we All can, that means nothing. <laughs> it's just non-profit speak, bro. It's the same shit. It's just fucking. <laughs> this means nothing. We're thinking big on this. We're not holding it against somebody if they if she got a utility contribution within her lifetime. <laughs> Oh fuck! This is okay. This is the. Oh, they're, that's they're they're. It, it's funny to see that they're getting out in front of it a little bit. Oh well, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Hey, listen, that's just like Trump after the election. Yeah, you know, it played well during the election. We're not really gonna throw her in prison. <laughs> well, it's funny, Kamala Harris and others, Warren and other people who are doing. They're also doing that with. Um, popular things that people like reparations, you know, and stuff like that. They're they're saying that now, but I guarantee you, the minute they get in office, they're gonna be like, 
Yeah, that played well during the election. Reparations but. is going to be uh, their version of closing Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, man, that's that is spot fucking on. And what's so funny is like people don't see the inherent racism in that. Yeah, you know. What yeah, I mean? you know absolutely. What I mean? No, it's cynical as fuck. Cynical is all fuck. It's courting. Yes, it's it's cynical as fuck. Yeah, it's yeah, but that's a very good analogy. Um, there's a lot of debate on the question of single payer Medicare for all. We've heard that expression just recently. What do you think should be done? Where do you want this to go? This is a very interesting debate. And in any debate, as I start off this conversation, you must define your terms. Let's stipulate to some facts here. When we passed the Affordable Care Act, for us, it was a pillar of health and economic security for America's working families. When was it? <laughs> was it? <laughs> Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story. You know this. My girlfriend got bit by a dog this weekend, two months after she went off her parents. She aged off of her parents' insurance. She went to the little ACA kiosk down at our little health clinic here mm-hmm. and was like, they told me at the hospital when I had to go to the ER that we could, like, I could sign up on this and, like, it would retroactively, like, cover all this stuff. She gave them their information, ran through all these plans, all this kind of shit. And the woman said, I'll be 100% honest with you, you're going to come out better not having insurance. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Why? Just because, like, in this specific Specific end. instance. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it would cost, like, she could just pay probably the bill for that dog bite from, it would cost more to get the insurance to cover it. Well, because the deductibles are like fucking six thousand dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like you gotta spend like six grand before you get any coverage. Dude, the entire Affordable Care Act can be boiled down to this. The entire purpose for it was a massive handout to the health insurance companies. A huge That's yeah. the only point of it. That was the only point of it. <laughs> it was it was injecting government certainty in the form of uh, you know, some sort of government-backed health care, into the market, thereby stimulating the market. That's it. It wasn't done with the intention of actually enrolling people on health care, with bettering their lives, of transforming the health care system. It was entirely a cynical ploy <laughs> to make a bunch of people more rich. A That's bunch it. of rich people more already more, more rich. rich. Yeah. And, and doing it vis-a-vis instilling confidence that every American would be have health insurance finally. And honestly, I feel embarrassed about even having had defended it at one point in my life. Yeah. Because that's the thing. I mean, like, the right-wingers start coming after that shit, and then all of a sudden... This, this is an important point, too, and I, I also heard, you know, I was, heard uh, the Chopper Boys talking about this, but, but, like, it's the same thing with income tax credits. All income tax credits are... are in our huge cash grabs for employers. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Exactly. It's a way for them to keep wages low. Exactly. Do you know what I'm? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the same thing. Like any democratic initiative <laughs> that seemingly on the surface benefits working people is, I mean, it's really kind of Reaganomics in reverse. It's like you know how like in you know like like they gave massive massive tax breaks to the to, to the richest people but then they gave just like nominal tax breaks to like mm-hmm. everybody else you know and it made them think that like oh well wow you know all this kind of stuff <laughs> that's what democrats do with their like sort of like welfare policies that's exactly right yeah that is exactly right it's just uh it's cynical and it's an insult to your intelligence right it's all it is um, we were on a good path, and when Republicans took over Congress, they let certain things expire. People say, well, it's not doing this or that. Well, it did until it expired. 
Restore the reinsurance. Elect more Democratic governors so that Medicaid can be expanded to millions no. more people can have access in an affordable way. I myself wanted to have the public option. Bullshit. Whatever. We couldn't get that through the Senate, but we enabled states to do a public option if they want. This made as drastic a difference as day and night. The most, the most powerful Democrat. <laughs> uh, privately, I wanted the public option. <laughs> you know, they wouldn't go for that though. Fuck you. Um. So uh, let's see. When they say Medicare for all, people have to understand this. Medicare for all is not as good a benefit as the Affordable Care Act. <laughs> Look, you know as well as I do, I have my own criticisms of Medicare for all, but that is the the biggest lie, the biggest lie that may have ever been told. I mean, that's like Look, that's Tim Pinocchio's. At bro. least with Medicare for all, with all of my own problems with it, at least you walk up and get your fucking care at the point of service. At the point of service, like you're you're not like having to go through paperwork and fucking staying on a phone call for 24 hours having some fucking dude i'll never forget <laughs> this i tell this story a lot is my, my mom needed this treatment this medicine it was it changed her quality of life completely and uh you know her and her doctors they put in for the insurance to get them to cover it and all this kind of stuff and an orthopedic surgeon in columbus indiana rejected that an really? orthopedic surgeon, somebody that works on fu- like repairs because knees of her sh- insurance, right? Yeah, they that was like the insurance company's expert. <laughs> and like while while my mom's gastroenterologist specialist said, uh, "No, this woman needs this," but the orthopedic surgeon said, "Nah, we can't justify that." Right? Uh, that's what these people do. They just get they just get their own. That's like the coal companies. They just get their own fucking. In the pocket doctors to say, no, nah, that's something else. That that's exactly caused right. That, that caused your lungs to shut down. <laughs> oh, my it's God. like every coal miner has bad lungs, but all of them either smoke or, like, you know, had some sort of medical procedure done. It's everything but breathing goddamn dust for 40 years that caused them to get sick. Right, right, right. Now, no, it's, um, if, if this interview doesn't convince you that Nancy Pelosi is just as much of your fucking enemy as Donald Trump, <laughs> then I don't really know what to tell you. <laughs> like, You're the dumbest person that ever lived. That's there's not, I'm, I'm tired of playing with these motherfuckers. I'm tired of playing with these motherfuckers. Oh, I'm with you, man. You can't square these contradictions anymore. You, just, you just can't. You just can't, man. It's over, I mean, people are dying. You can't do this style of incrementalism when there's 12 years of good earth left. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get radical or shut the fuck up. Right. Go the fuck away. Go on your uh, backpacking trip through Thailand. Get the fuck out of the country. Enjoy it. Enjoy (laughs) the last 12 years you're going to have of Thailand. So we can actually do some shit. Get the fuck out. Yeah. That was the funniest shit ever when I told, uh, I met somebody last summer. Remember I told you this? I met somebody last summer who, um, the the only reason I told her I didn't vote for Hillary because I knew it pissed her off. The only reason I told her, <laughs> the only reason I just troll, just yeah. The only reason I told her I did not vote for Hillary, which is true, is because she said that the day after the election she like got on a plane and like went to fucking Europe or something like immediately just bounced. <laughs> Do you remember that? Do you yeah. remember that when everybody was like, oh, "I'm leaving the fucking country"? Like I remember, like even Jacobin did like had an article that was like, "No, stay and fight." You remember <laughs> yeah, that shit? Yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder where all those people are now. You think everybody's just like chilling and fucking 
Southeast Asia Chiang somewhere. Yeah. yeah, probably. Um, let's see. When they say Medicare for all, it, oh yeah, it's not as good a benefit as the Affordable Care Act. It doesn't have catastrophic coverage. You have to go buy it. It doesn't have dental. It's not as good as the plans that you can buy under the Affordable Care Act. When you say that there are plans that you can buy under the Affordable Care Act, you're talking about a whole host of plans. You're not talking just about the ones that are backed by the government. You're talking about every other fucking insurance provider. All the Affordable Care Act did was just create a market. Right. <laughs> That's all it fucking did. Yeah. I feel like I'm losing my mind. Yeah. All it is is just an administrative procedure. That's it. <laughs> I'm fucking losing it. Um... So I say to them, come in with your ideas, but understand that we're either going to have to improve Medicare for all, including seniors, or else people are not going to get what they think they're going to get. And by the way, how's it going to be paid for? <laughs> Glad you brought that up, Nance. <laughs> now, these people, these people, that is like, that is the crux of everything. They will, they, if, if every leftist today said, well, here's what we're going to do instead of taxing you. Instead mm -hmm. of like taxing the rich, instead of expropriating your money, we're just all gonna get metal detectors. <laughs> Everybody's gonna get a metal detector, and then we're gonna go, you know, beachcomb and fucking go through everybody's yard, and we're gonna pull all that money together, and we're gonna pay for it that way. They'd be on it in a second. <laughs> they would be. I mean, I swear they would play the fucking international at the next fucking presidential election. Yeah, <laughs> if it meant that that we could do socialism without. Taking rich people's money. <laughs> These people would right. fucking rock the fucking hammer and sickle. They would be like, this has been right the whole time. You're exactly right. They create militias and whole political commissars to bust into people's house and root through their couches. And <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Give me a couch change. Yeah. Oh my God, are you here for my money? Nah, I just want to see what's under the right. cushions. <laughs> Now, single-payer is a different thing. People use the terms interchangeably. Sometimes it could be the same thing, but it's not always. Single-payer is just about who pays. It's not about what the benefits are. That is, administratively, the simple thing to do. But to, do, but to convert to it? $30 trillion. Now, how do you pay for that? $30 trillion. <laughs> Even if that's true, whichever email may be, this motherfucking and, country and dude, no, has so $30 trillion. <laughs> also, dude, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I have this other idea. Hear me out here. Here's what. Here's how we need to do the Green New Deal. We need to do a general strike as part of this, okay? Mm. But the general strike is this. We're not general striking for, like, material conditions or more money or anything like that. Here's what we're going to do. We're not. We're going to come up with what I call an Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez cryptocurrency, okay? <laughs> And we're not An gonna, coin. we're not we're gonna stop recognizing the American dollar. <laughs> so let's make all this wealth they've hoarded irrelevant, bro. <laughs> make all the wealth they've hoarded just like monopoly money. Because every normal people we only use fucking uh AOC coin. That's you can't buy it's like or dude, no. We'll just do the mark of the beast as foretold in Revelation. Yeah. <laughs> no man can buy or sell save he that have the mark. So we'll all just take the mark of the beast yeah. and render all their billions 
that would that would work much better because because they can keep their like tacky fucking houses and jets and like whatever we'll just like go fucking like that's what I'm saying we'll just like right. go fucking tear the fuel line out of their jets and like <laughs> flatten their car tires. Um. Well, I I might want their houses. Um. And I might want their jets too. I mean, it is for the people after. <laughs> no, we can't do can't do the jets. Um, TikTok. We can't have the jets. Twelve years. Later. Oh yeah, you're right. Fuck. Can't do the cars. You're right. You're right. We'll take their houses. I think I'm gonna hit the weed pen for the last fucking ten minutes of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> you got me fucking worked up, man. So I said, look. Just put them all on the table, and let's have the discussion and let people see what it is. But know what it is that you're talking about. All I want is the goal of every American having access to health care. <laughs> all I want is the goal of every American having access to health care. There's a lot of fucking... <laughs> she just put up like four fucking walls between the American people <laughs> and health care there. All I want is the goal of having access... <laughs> For all the American You're people. absolutely right. Just put up four fucking walls between person and healthcare there. The goal. goal. The goal. Wall one. Access. That's the biggest fucking wall. <laughs> wall two. You gotta run the goddamn fucking American Gladiators off school course to get your fucking appendix <laughs> removed in this country. You don't get there by dismantling the Affordable Care Act. As Californians have said to me... We get billions and billions of dollars out of the Affordable Care Act coming into California. What she means by that is, as billionaire Californians have said to me. What she means by that is... She as, said that? No, no, no. She said, as Californians have said to me. She's not telling you which Californians. She's talking about the <laughs> CEOs of the healthcare right. <laughs> industry. They're the ones... As everyday Californians with yeah. obscene Listen, fortunes. they would love to preserve the Affordable Care Act because that's fucking money for them. Yeah, of course. It's easy money. They don't have yeah. to make any changes to the healthcare I industry. wonder if these people are corrupt or if they're just like that fucking detached that they think CEOs are just everyday people. But <laughs> like they live in so much of a bubble that they just think, you I know. Think, I think they probably... It's a combination of several things. It's that. It's the fact that CEOs have gotten really, really good. Just look at the fucking way that, that Twitter CEO Dork Jack Dorsey or whatever dresses. Yeah. They don't actually dress or look like rich people anymore. <laughs> you, you, you know what's funny, Dave? My friend Leah sent me an article about, you know, when he did his little retreat. Do you know a woman that was on that little retreat with him got bit by a rabid dog and died? What? Yeah. On that same retreat, <laughs> didn't Jack Dorsey. Mention, didn't yeah, even that face same him. place, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. if she, I think she died once she got back here. Well, I guess that means the meditation works for him. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, listen, the meditation is so powerful. Some lady died. I didn't even, didn't even I face didn't even me. Know. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, as Californians have said to me, we get billions and billions of dollars out of the Affordable Care Act coming into California. Now they want to get rid of that. How are they going to go to single payer in California without the money from the Affordable Care Act? Anyway, this is not a bumper sticker war. It's a complicated issue. No, it's nothing is a complicated issue. Anybody that tells you anything is a complicated issue, right? It's complicated to restrict you from participating <laughs> or from caring. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know what I'm saying? That is exactly right. Uh, it's it's just like the fucking legal profession. It's like it only exists to navigate these bourgeois hurdles to fucking like humanity. That's exactly right. <laughs> or to liberation or to justice. Or All right. 
What was it like to work with Obama? This is one of my favorite sections because so- softball here. Yeah, because I, I wish this yeah, section don't fucking don't fucking hold her feet to the coals, Rolling Stone. <laughs> yeah, I wish this section had a montage of like after everything she says, you've got like uh, weddings in you know Yemen just getting drone bombed. You've got kids getting thrown into concentration camps at the border. Women contracting rabies at Jack Dorsey's tra- meditation <laughs> retreats. Just the most insane shit yeah. that is associated with the Obama administration. People will never fully understand that every single day his administration did great things for our country. No, it. I'm sorry. <laughs> go ahead. The only way they could po- probably see it is to see the undoing of it now. <laughs> I'm looking around. I'm not seeing a whole lot of fucking difference. <laughs> My, I would surmise that most people's lives, save for uh, immigrants on the southern border and people that have been historically marginalized, I would say I would surmise that most people's lives, with a few of those exceptions, have not changed one iota. No, from, I mean mentally. Maybe just because you know you kind of want a nicer face on your empire or whatever, Not a yet. more charismatic face. Like you know, these people lull you, lull you to sleep. But I'll say this: the only way my life's changed is the content's better. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are things on a day-to-day level that are probably true, right? Like we, we've even talked about it before. What you could consider like microaggressions, like the mask has slipped. It seems like there's more hate crimes. It seems like there's more stuff right. like that. Yeah, but, but, I, I mean, I say all that to make a joke. I mean, like obviously no, he's involved in some of the worst people right. in society. Yeah. Right, but systemically, institutionally, this is the same goddamn piece of shit country it's always been. It's just, just a meaner face. Just exactly. Just a, just a, <laughs> you know. It still exists. Like I said a few episodes back, it still exists. Solely to raid and expropriate the resources of other countries to make their lives from sun up to sun down absolute bloody violence and hell. I mean, that's been the point from day fucking one. They, they wrote, no, we literally wrote it into the fucking goddamn constitution. <clears throat> Anyways, um, the only way, okay, Obama was not a bragger. You know, he did great things, never talked about it that much. We were all in the trenches fighting these people who did not necessarily share our values. Every day they... Did sp- not necessarily. Necessarily. That's the, that's that's the, the word caveat. doing the heavy yeah. lifting yeah. here. <laughs> necessarily. Every day they spew forth horrible things into the air our children breathe and the water they drink food safety, undoing of consumer protections. Almost every day they do something very destructive, but you don't want to be a fear monger. You have to... <laughs> you have, you're going to be an optimist. <laughs> you have to kind of just keep the fight where it needs to be and win the elections because they have ramifications. Yeah, bullshit, Nancy. What you mean is you want to stay in a job. You want right. to keep your job. You have to keep in the fight where it needs to be and win the election so that you don't... You're not sitting on your ass right. uh, for the remainder of your life. Um, one more complicated legislative agenda is the need to deal with the tech giants. I don't want to get into that part, actually. That's a really, really boring part um, because it doesn't have any. No good content there, Tom. Uh, and then they start asking her what her favorite music is. You don't want to hear that. It's like 
Um, uh, let's see. Twenty one Savage. <laughs> yeah, it's twenty one Savage. <laughs> no, it's 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 just as bad as you thought. You two. Of course, Nancy Pelosi's favorite music is U2. Like, the worst fucking band, really, probably in the human... Just, I put U2 on the same... record. Yeah, I put U2 on the same line as fucking... Have you ever watched It Might Get Loud? Uh-uh. You know, no. they, like, Jack White's in it, and they, like, interview yeah. all these people. Yeah, yeah, I've watched it. And, like... Oh, the, with, like, Jimmy Page? Was it the I history of the Page, guitar yeah, or whatever? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they get to the Edge, and the Edge, <laughs> like, has his own little rig, and he's like, shows, like... He doesn't know how to play guitar. Right. So he shows, like, the hacks that he used <laughs> to... And he's just, like, playing two chords. Right. But he's, like, changed it to sound different. Like, it's, like... <laughs> He puts a bunch of effects on it so that it sounds like this really pseudo sort of inspirational. Like you hear it, it's kind of like being at a praise and worship concert. You're like, yeah. You yeah. two is a band like fucking Kiss or the Monkees that like is essentially a fake band. That's that, true. That just became a real band. They became a commercial. Yeah, right. They're a commercial that became sort of a real band. You're right. Yeah. Or maybe they did that in reverse. Maybe they started out as a real band and became the Monkees or Kiss. <laughs> Just became a fake band. <laughs> became a goddamn iPod commercial. Um, I mean, Bono loves capitalism, man. Uh, not that that's my litmus test for like whether a band is good or not. Quick aside, quick I'm, aside before we ditch this. When you were in uh, like doing the Christian thing, did you kind of like Bono was one of those characters where it was like, yeah, dude. he said like before yes. he's a Christian. And you pointed <laughs> to that as like. Yeah, man. He had this sort of like mythical sort of thing about him where he did this intentionally as part of his brand. He did this sort of like ambiguous, like, I'm just kind of spiritual. You yeah, know, yeah. like that whole Joshua Tree bullshit. Like, I'm just kind of spiritual. Man. Yeah, yeah. Like, and so the Christian people were like, Bono's. But on then he side. would also have quotes saying that like, Jesus Christ was like the greatest. And then like you'd point to it, like, see, he's a Christian. Like, there were yeah. a couple of bands yeah. where like if you grew up in the contemporary Christian thing. You like, look for clues. You look for you clues. You thought that they would like, be Scott giving Staff you. Scott and Creed yeah. was another one it's of those It's kind guys. of like QAnon in the sense that you think that they're giving you secret clues and you're trying to divine the sort of tea leaves to see if they really, really are. are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of us. All right. Um, let's see. Okay. And this, this is what I'll end on. This is the best part. As you're looking toward the next two to four years, what is one thing you feel you need to get done before you retire? I'm going to look you directly in the eyes as I say this. Tell me. I can handle it. The Affordable Care Act. (laughs) (laughs) She said, the Affordable Care Act. (laughs) Imagine having as much power as she has. Like as much sort of like you know she's trying to build this legacy she's trying to be she's trying to she's in her legacy years she's in the sort of part of her career where uh, she's, she she's she's <laughs> transcended that though dude she's she's like putting the sunglasses on she walks away from that meeting with Trump and like wiggling her shoulders <laughs> she's doing the Gator Trump clap the sarcastic yeah, clap yeah. which is you know even by her own admission was nothing exactly <laughs> you know but but. All that considered, she said the affordable care act. One thing nobody gives the first fuck about. <laughs> nobody. So to go back to your question of is this just how out of touch they are? 100%. Because you like you cannot look at that and come to any other conclusion that than that she is completely out of touch. But let me let me present a counterpoint to this too and I'll admit this up front. 
Okay. You said something earlier. You said rule number one, never take anything for granted in politics. There may well still be enough fucking donut corn cob people. Corn cob, corn cob people. They were, people? they're okay, in the same, I yeah, interchangeable. Well, for anybody, who, there was. Uh, if there, there are any listeners that aren't on Twitter, there's probably like three. Yeah. What we're referring to is a specific subset of like resistance liberals. The Hillary people, yeah. yeah the snow, like the snowflake emoji people. Yeah. It seems dumb to say that, but you never know. I might yeah. have to explain it. <laughs> well, Anyways, anyway, there may be enough of those people in real life that. That shit might <clears throat> inspire some hope in some people. Right, right. Those people would be the dumbest people that There's ever lived. <laughs> but Com- completely moronical. But that's what I'm saying. Like, like another thing I'm afraid about in the whole Bernie equation is, and I took, I admit, I mean, I took the bait and kind of got embarrassed the other day on Twitter when I posted something about Hillary Clinton and now she's running. It's from like 2015. Oh, dude, I saw that you fell for that. I was like, I don't know that guy. It's weird. <laughs> don't know that part, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm doing some different shit now, man. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my old doing shit. Doing some solo shit <laughs> yeah. these days. Uh, but uh, anyway. Um, but the reason I fell for that is that is not a wholly unrealistic <laughs> thing to think. <laughs> To think that she's going to announce. I sh- what I should have known better is I should have stopped for five seconds instead of just posting fucking clickbait and been like, right. oh, wait, why would she announce today? That makes no sense. Right. There'll be like this big rollout. Right. Like, and, but I'm telling you something. Here's what's going to happen. Is Hillary Clinton's going to announce she's going to run, and her whole thing is going to be like, this time it's personal. <laughs> it's going to be like a revenge tour. And the dumbest people alive are going to eat that shit up, and it's not—it's not unrealistic to think Bernie loses to that again. Well, the thing is, the despite thing that, like killer fundraising and having like something substantive that people like can the, glom onto, that's what really gives me the most pause. It's the, you don't even need Hillary for that. It seems to me that the new sort of Hillary type is Kamala Harris. And so, regardless, even if it's Beto, if it's Kamala Harris, whoever. Even if it's not Hillary in the flesh. Right. It's someone who's basically of that same mold. And it's entirely possible that the Democratic Party leadership once again says, you must be out of your fucking mind. Of course we aren't going to let that happen. Yeah. I mean, Yeah, and then you start getting this weird shit happening where... (laughs) Bernie Sanders wins by nine million votes, but like shit, it's crazy. Like Kamala Harris got seven more super delegates. Right. Wow. Right. You know. Is that what happened? I don't even know what happened in two thousand sixteen, man. Um It seems to me that it was pretty close. But regardless, if it wasn't close, what does that mean? Is there is is are there I guess what I'm asking is what are the numbers of the on the donut corn people? Now, let me, t- now let me there? tell you something. Let me tell you something. I don't expect that to happen. I don't think that'll happen. But my point is, is that I don't want us to get into our own little left bubbles enough to like underestimate how many of those people are out there. Boots yeah. Riley had a tweet that was like talking about like you know the sort of animus that leftists have for liberals. That like, and he made a point. He's like, when you're talking about liberals, you're talking about most of the working class. Yeah, I don't know if that's true in Kentucky, like where we're at much anymore, and some other places. Like, there's plenty of reactionary elements, I think, in the working class too. But I would say that's probably generally more or less true. How many of those people could get roped back into Clinton nostalgia or something like that? Yeah, and could, they could 
just like exert everything a, we're trying to do. Right, exert a pretty good influence on. So, the- I don't know. The other part to that is too like, and and the the thing is like, Nancy Pelosi is probably the most powerful Democrat. I mean, along with Chuck Schumer, like for her to say that, she would probably have to have a reason to say that. Like, maybe she just has, like, this dumbass advisor in her ear that's, like, you know, just like, that's what people like, you know. And maybe it's possible that the Democrats are not like the Republicans and that the Republicans are tight and know how to forecast things better and kind of pick up on the polls within the working class even better than, like, liberals and Democrats do and know what's going on. I don't know. I'm just saying that I could see a, a ton of plausible scenarios in this sort of electoral thing. Absolutely. And I think we need to I I mean consider that. It, we, it, a lot of people have said that like the um you know, where do you go? What's the next form of dystopia? But when you really think about it, like we've already passed through one form of the dystopia like in the sort of Obama years. The worst thing that could happen in 2020 is um a Beto type getting elected would be disastrous. I mean, he wouldn't actually win. Uh I mean, I don't know if I don't I, dude, I don't know. It's so far away. Who the fuck knows? But I, I just know that that would be the worst possible outcome. Yeah. You would get Affordable Care Act part 2. It'd be even worse. Yeah. Um Affordable Care Act to grow it and expand it and increase the number of people who are covered by it. The climate thing is a big deal for me. <laughs> the climate thing is a big deal for me. That climate shit. <laughs> I'm all over that. I'm all over that. If we ever get a revolution... That's Nancy's. Or any kind of upheaval in this country that, you know, goes really, really deep. Uh, Like, on the inside of the, like, Lincoln Memorial and shit, I want those kind of quotes etched in. You know what I mean? Like, Nancy Pelosi, the climate thing is a big deal for me. (laughs) Like, it wasn't the biggest deal or... Like the thing that or you the biggest deal for everybody, the biggest threat to our survival right now. <coughs> no, dude, it's getting health CEOs paid, healthcare CEOs paid. Um, this disparity in income in our country is an obscenity, uh, and I've said to the members, everything that we put forth has to be in furtherance of reducing that disparity. And what are they going to do that? Let me let me guess. <laughs> Income tax credits. <laughs> That's exactly it. Whether we're talking about tax policy, whether we're talking about investments in education and workforce development. <clears throat> investments in education and workforce development. Let me translate this. This is political literacy. Let me tell you what that is. That is welfare for uh, college admins. <laughs> uh Job retraining, I don't know, like local governments. Yeah. Uh, companies. Yeah. That's what that is. Absolutely. Um, probably more for-profit universities. <clears throat> I never, you know, I want to tell you this, and this is kind of an embarrassing admission, but, like, I never really thought about, like, capitalism cannot be rehabbed. It, I mean, like, it just can't. Like, it all, it has to have inequality to, as uh, just, it's part of it. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I never, I'm ashamed to admit that I've never, like, even in at this level of my critique, this is something I've just been thinking about a lot lately, is that that you can't, like, there is no way to save it or make it nicer or anything like that. It will always, always, somebody has to be getting stepped on in order for it to work. <laughs> yeah. You have to have workers buying shit. 
for it to work. <laughs> You're right. You know right. what I'm saying? And their labor has to be exploited. Exploited in and order for it all to work. There has to be a reserve army of uh, unemployed workers to keep wages at a certain point. Uh, you know, it's it's... You're exactly right. There's no way to fine-tune it. Liberalism, what Nancy Pol- people like Nancy Pelosi believe, and the reason why they talk so much about um, this is complicated, this is complicated, what they're really telling you is that they have erected a sort of screen in their brain to paper over the fact that uh, the very identity of this country and economy, capitalist democracy, is it, oppression is necessary to maintain it. But also, I just want to point out something. I just want to point out something to Nancy. I've seen what you got in the House and the Senate there, and I promise you, most of those people are not smarter than me. (laughs) No, they're not. No, they're they're they are quantifiably stupider. But somebody with some money put them in there. Yeah, exactly. It's almost embarrassing to be a politician, really. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's like we were talking about in our interview with Max yesterday, which we'll just plug that. Go check that out. uh, Working people pod. What we were talking about yesterday is the most fascinating thing would be we were talking about how Joe Manchin might actually run for governor yeah. of West Virginia. And so the most fascinating thing would be a governor a gubernatorial election between a capitalist and in Jim Justice and the capitalist political patron, Joe Manchin. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it is too That would be a fascinating experiment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the patron and the king. Exactly. <clears throat> um but anyways, uh, you know, whether we're talking about tax policy, whether we're talking about investments in education and workforce development, whether we're talking about infrastructure and how we do it in a way that increases paychecks or how we do our oversight. Look, there's one thing in that fucking sentence, that long-ass bullshit sentence you just said that would actually maybe make some headway into that, and that's increasing paychecks, <laughs> increasing wages. But we know you're not going to do that. We no. know that because all the other things you just listed, you just buried that in there because, I don't know, uh, it's going to get back to your constituents or something. We don't begrudge anybody their success or their wealth. We just don't <laughs> like... <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do, Nancy. Actually, most people do. This is exactly what you're talking about, though, Tom. We don't begrudge anybody their success or their wealth. We just don't like exploitation of the worker. That's you cannot have one without the other, I, you fucking maggot. It's so exhausting to, to even... It's so cliche and trite. It's so tired to even say it. But you cannot have wealth without the exploitation, exploitation of, of the, the worker. worker. That's the whole point. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to lose my fucking mind. <clears throat> I feel like I'm going to fucking lose my mind, man. Um, Hopefully, <clears throat> after reading that and hearing that... You will come to this to the conclusion that we said earlier, which is that this person is just as much of your enemy as fucking Donald Trump. They want more or less the same thing. They just want they just are concerned about how it comes off. Right. They're concerned about how they're optics. concerned about optics. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and they're also concerned about getting paid. I mean, look, they get a pretty good paycheck out of this. Uh but anyways, like I said earlier, it finishes up. Nancy, do you have any regrets? I don't know, Drew. Do we have any regrets? Drew Hamill said no. Unless <laughs> he said we don't deal in regrets. That's <sighs> very Christ. fucking creepy. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Anyways, <clears throat> it took a lot longer than I expected it to. Um, well, let me just say before we close here, we've heard your cries. <laughs> we understand, man. Terrence are cold product. 
And you want more Tanya. <laughs> we get it. The thing is, Tanya couldn't be here today, and but <clears throat> your cries have not went unheard. <clears throat> but if you do want more Tanya, there is more Tanya on the Patreon. That's true. Go oh, visit man. that. Dude, the last episode is so fucking goddamn funny. I was I got kind of stoned last night, and I was listening to it, and like there's this part in the Speak Your Peace... I can't believe I'm talking about my own content, but I was just losing it, dude. Because there's somebody in Speak Your Peace who talks about Grace, cl- Grace's closet like going the way of the dinosaurs, but then they fumble the analogy, and then they start talking about cats and minding your P's and Q's. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. It was the funniest goddamn thing. <clears throat> um, anyways, go check that out. The Patreon is a good good episode. Patreon.com slash TrillBillyWorkersParty, no apostrophe. And, uh, yeah, tomorrow, well, day after tomorrow, that's the first of the month, so it'll be a good time next oh. couple of days to sign up. God damn you, you're right. Is it leap year this year? Oh, man, are we leaping? No, it's not a leap year. Oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> so tomorrow is the first. Yeah. Oh, it's tomorrow the first, it's the 28th. Yeah, today's the 28th. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so, anyways, sign up for the Patreon, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash party. $5 a month gets you all access to... Uh, I'm never going to have an actual ad on there. This is the closest I'm going to get. Yeah. Uh, $5 a month will get you all access to at least four episodes a month. <laughs> and, um, well, maybe not for February since tomorrow's the first. 3.25. Every Sunday we put out a motherfucking banger. <clears throat> so, um, anyways. Uh, so, I, anyways, we got to go. But thanks for listening this week. And um, see you out there. We'll see you on the other side.